Kokorongo kite tangi a te kori mako Ko rero flowing a te hoka force Ko papa relevant, ko papa out of bounds Ko papa exigent, ko papa paramount Nga ko nga whakapiri mai ki te Ko papa tino whakahira hira Whakarongo pi kari kari mai Hare hare mai, o tari ngā hare hare mai We gotta gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kane kane move that body Kane kane move that body Ngā tari ngā ki wī, ngā tari ngā ki wā, nau mai hoki mai a nei rā māwa ko te pua heiri. E mihi nei atu i te poka pū o taringa ane ki te pīki auahi o te awamutu. Bustling Metropolis, i raro i ngā manaakitanga a te wānanga o Aotearoa. Tēnā koutou te iwi, just, uh, well not just, but moi o koe. Moi o koe. Just be an operative word for a lot of things. It's just me and te pua heiri. <laughs> Yes, me and Tepuahiri. and I. I think it's me and Tepuahiri. It's always and I. Why? Why Tepuahiri? See, and that's why it's easier to say it in Māori. Komawa nake. Komawa, it's just us. <laughs> yeah. We are bereft of Erika. Koya te matu o te nei kōru. Ah, koe nauki. <laughs> yeah. Me ngā whakatikatika mai a tētahi. I, I a tāua uh, ko te ai. Ko te ai. Yeah. Te It was the afternoon of what had been a hot, sunny Hamilton day at a weekend in 1974. Summers in the Waikato are something else, dry and still, bereft of wind or even the soft kiss of any sort of breeze. In Mati, the summer maiden, 
imprisons people in their slightly cooler homes where linoleum floors and icy homemade lemonade provide some comfort. In contrast, others flee to the ocean at Whaingoro. The lucky ones have caravans there. Some even hazard a dip in the deep green waters of Waikato, swallow of greenstone, abode of tuna, riverweeds, snags and tanifa. If you were in Spain, you'd be having a siesta, but here in Aotearoa, the late-of-day chorus sings with cicadas that seem to compete with the monotonous drone of lawnmowers. This is the cacophony of a typical New Zealand summer. Of course, kids don't mind the heat like adults, and daylight saving is a magical time where the days are made much longer, which means more play. If only Maui had thought of putting the hands to his watch backwards. Once upon a time, three children, Freeman, Marianne and Justine Gloin, who lived at 103 Rimu Street, Forest Lake, are in the shadows of their scarlet oak line driveway being kids. Mrs Yvonne Gloin, their mum, is inside getting some veggies ready for tea, which she will have on the table with fried lamb chops when it's dark and the stifling heat has calmed down. Dad is away on another sharing contract for a few more days. It was sharing that took Lindsay Gloin to the valley of Wawairaka, where his gang was made up with whānau from the local hapū of which he married into. This was one of the first marriages in the tribe of a Māori and Pākehā. The humming song of next door's lawnmower draws the children's attention and all three go over to the fence to see if old man Henry, their neighbour, is in the mood for a bit of a game. Freeman yells out. Hey Henry! Henry looks over with a warm grin. He's wearing his favourite pair of boots with dark brown corduroys and a red flannel shirt he's rolled up to his elbows. His crumpled khaki felt hat that's seen better days shadows his face from the late afternoon sun. Hello there, Freeman. Hello, Henry. How's your parents? They're good. Mum's making tea and Dad's away sharing. You know, you three should be in there helping your mum. Nah, Mum says we're hoha and just get in the way. Where's your two little sisters? Um, they're around here somewhere. Marianne hears Henry. He does not see that she's crouched hiding behind the blue hydrangeas. Her little sister of two years, Justine, is beside her. Marianne has a branch as a pretend gun. She's preparing to ambush Henry. Marianne, I want to play. Shh, Justine, we're playing a game of cops and robbers. But I'm going to fire off first, then you, okay? Huh? I'll shoot, I'll go bang bang, then you. Yeah, bang bang, bang bang. Shh, Henry will hear you. Henry turns the lawnmower off, and half expecting Marianne and Justine to jump out from behind the hydrangeas, he walks vigilantly towards the fence. His grin has turned into a full smile now, as he has not seen the little one in a while now. Justine, the youngest, the little one, was his favourite of the three. He loved her very much, and in a way thought of her as his little one, his mokopuna. Inside 103 Limu Street, Mrs. Groin has just put the spuds into boiling water on the stove and prepared some fresh green beans, all of which she grew herself in the mara. The phone rings. She turns the spuds down after adding a good lot of salt 
and goes to answer the phone. Hello, Yvonne speaking. Kia ora, Iwai. Auntie Naki. Kia ora. I'm good, Mekwe Hoki. I haven't heard from you in a while. I'm a good way. Tino Pai. You know, busy with my mahi following our queen, Temea Temea. I've a hui a tūranga waiwai in a couple of days, so I thought I'd come and stay with you fellas for a night. Yvonne smiles. Only her closest kaumatua call her Wai, a shortened version of the name given to her by one of her father's good friends, who was also a relation to her mother. Kapai, auntie. That will be lovely. He's well, auntie. Away shearing down Dekowitzi somewhere at the moment. Be back next week. He thinks you're hard case too, auntie. Yeah, he's good, your tani. Doesn't mind telling me he did my money as well, Mama Jumbo. <laughs> you know he's just joking. He straight up the guts and telling me what he believes, which is good. That's why you two are good together. Nanny Naki, or Auntie Naki, is a wise queer who is a grand auntie to Mrs. Gloin on her mother's side. She's respected throughout Waikato as a tohunga and matakite. An unassuming queer with a warm smile, loving eyes, a sense of humour, and big mana. How's your mana going? Any kamo kamo? You know I always grow kamo kamo, Auntie. Gotta have a kamo kamo and a weno weno with the boilies. Hey, hey, koya hoki. And a paka paka. It's good to hear you still have a mana, even though you're in here. They continue having a yarn while outside Henry has gotten nearer to the fence. <laughs> Marianne is ready to pounce. Her gun is cocked and ready to fire. Henry is ready too for the barrage of make-believe bullets. He'll be quick to draw though. He's already turned his hand into a gun. Ha-ha! Bang, bang! Bang, bang! <laughs> bang, bang! Ah! I got you first, Henry! <laughs> Henry clutches at his heart. He's quite out of breath and light-headed. He thought it was the heat, but it feels like something's wrong. Very, very wrong. Look, he's gone down. Whoa, you should be in a movie, Henry. You're a great actor. Through blurry eyes, while on the ground looking sideways, Henry tries to tell the children something is wrong. The last thing he sees and says... Is little one. Mom! Mom! Hoi hoi! I'm on the phone to your nanny Nucky. Mom! Henry has has fallen over and, and won't get up. You need to come. What? Jeez, what happened? Sorry, Auntie, I've got to go. I'm heading off to your Uncle George's birthday dinner down at the RSA. Hi, Auntie. See you tomorrow when you get here. The ambulance is long gone. There was no point in having the sirens on, as Henry was dead. Lots of the other neighbours had come outside to see what all the drama was about. Not trying to help or anything, just nosy. You could hear different ones make their comments as the ambulance had driven off. Bloody terrible. 
Heart attack, that thing. It was a fat old bugger. There you go. Nonetheless, what a way to go. Yeah, that's bloody right, Celia. One minute you're playing with a bunch of kids, and the next you're dead. Just like that. Gone. After all the commotion, Mrs. Gloin had calmed the children down and even gotten them to eat some dinner before bed. It was Justine she was most worried about, being the youngest and somewhat closest to Henry. He called her his little one. Mrs. Gloin sips the last of her sherry down and butts out her smoke before going to tuck the children in for the night. She passes through the sitting room where some of her weaving adorns the walls. She's quite chuffed at what she's accomplished in her time with the Māori Women's Welfare League, learning waiata, going to hui, and learning to make pupu and poi out of ropo. She's put so much time and love into her mahi. She smiles and touches the peacock feathers gifted to her by a school she did some Māori arts and crafts with recently. Since being away from the homestead, the pa, and the extended whānau, her time with the Māori Women's Welfare League had filled a hole Although her father didn't approve of her doing Māori things, she mutters his words to herself, You will work in the Pākehā world, and your sister Uru will walk in the Māori world. She thought to herself that having a Pākehā husband would be enough, and moving away from home, and having half-caste children. Mrs Gloin proceeds down the hallway. She notices that there's a bit of a chill, which is odd, considering how hot it was today. And every night the past few weeks has been muggy and sticky. She grabs her dressing gown from her room on her way down the hallway. Freeman and Marianne are just walking out of the bathroom after brushing their teeth. Night, ma'am. Night, ma'am. E moira. Good night. You fellas warm? It's gotten cold. Cold? Mum, I'm hot as. Maybe it's just you. Hmm. Well, you could be just me. Well, haerekite moi anyway. Where's Justine? She's already in bed. She's cold too. Hmm. Mrs. Gloin goes to check on Justine. You still awake? Justine is in her bed with the covers pulled up around her. She's shivering. Jeez, are you muckery? Justine just nods. Mrs. Gloin can see that she's been crying. Her eyes are red and she looks quite distraught. It's okay, bub. You'll be okay. Here's another blanket to keep you warm. Mrs. Gloin tucks in Justine and notices she's staring at the doorway before she closes her eyes shut. Marianne jumps into her bed. She shares the room with her little sister. Good night, Mum. It's cold in here. Here, put another blanket on. Okay, I'm going to bed now. E moira. See you in the morning. Nanny Nucky will be here tomorrow. Mrs. Gloin kisses Marianne goodnight, then kisses Justine on the forehead. Justine has her eyes shut tight and almost looks like she's trying to hide in the covers. Mrs. Gloin turns the light off and pulls her dressing gown around her neck in an attempt to shut out the cold she feels. Still, it seems to creep down her back. Mm, seems to be getting colder. The hands of the clock in the hallway tell her it's just after 9pm. Tick tock. Tick tock. She goes to her room, hops into bed, and even though she's put on an extra blanket, she keeps her dressing gown on. She switches off the bedside lamp 
It takes a while for her to fall asleep. She has images from the afternoon going through her head. Along with the cold, it unsettles her. She thinks of doing a karakia, but convinces herself there's no need to. After a time, she finally drifts off to sleep. from her unsettled sleep, Mrs. Groin jumps out of bed. The clock's hands are at 10.30. Tick, tock, tick, tock. She goes quickly to Marianne and Justine's room. Switching on the light as she comes into the room, she sees Justine is sitting up in bed with a look of terror on her face. Her lips are quivering and she's pointing to the doorway out into the hallway. Her hand is trembling. The room feels even colder. Bub, what's the matter? <laughs> Mrs. Gloin holds her daughter close, consoling her as she rocks on the bed. Justine has turned her face away from the bedroom door. Mrs. Gloin senses something is there. She catches a glimpse of a shadow, but thinks it's just the light playing tricks. There, there, bub. Nobody is there. You must have had a nightmare. You're okay. Mum's got you. Mrs. Gloin tried to mask the fear in her voice. She knew there was something not right. She rocked Justine for what seemed like hours, although only ten or so minutes had passed. Justine had sobbed herself back to sleep, so Mrs. Gloin put her back in bed. Kapai. Emoi, bub. Mum's going to the water to have a whakarite for us. <sighs> Better late than never. Yawning, she walked towards the bedroom door. The hallway was in deep darkness. She felt silly for not turning any other lights on in the house. Gingerly, she walked towards the doorway and the gloom beyond. Don't be silly. Get a hold of yourself. She stepped into the hallway and sighed with relief as she switched the light on. The clock said five past eleven. Tick, tock, tick, tock. She went down to the bathroom, which had a little room off the side of it with the washing machine. She noticed the old grey woolen blanket lying on the floor. The blanket she had put over Henry as he lay on the lawn next door. Dead. Ah, bloody hell! The blanket! What was I thinking? Bringing that blanket in here! At seeing the blanket, she felt more in need of a karakia. Her mum had taught her to whakarite. She could hear her voice. If you can't get to the river to poon you, me haere noa kite wai. Run the tap and say your karakia and sprinkle the wai over you. She turned the tap just so the water trickled. She started her karakia. E mihi ana kite atua. What the bloody hell? Mom! Mom! I'm scared. Mom! Let go! Let go! I can't get it open! Mrs. Gloin got to Justine's bedroom. She could hear Justine crying and Marianne trying to open the door on the other side. Freeman had run out of his room and was now clinging to his mother. It was absolute mayhem. 
The clock said 11.30 p.m. To add to the chaos, someone was knocking at the front door. Mrs. Gloin had never felt more grateful to hear the voice of Auntie Nucky. Yes, Auntie! Freeman, go and let your Nanny Nucky in. But Mum, I'm scared. I don't want to leave you. Nanny Nucky is here now. We'll be okay. Go and open the door. It's locked. Freeman reluctantly pulled himself from his mother. Hurriedly, he walked down the hallway towards the front door. He got a surprise as he neared the door. It was wide open and Nanny Nucky was standing there with a big smile, holding her kete and a little glass bottle of water, which she had started sprinkling over herself in the doorway. Nanny Nucky! How'd you get in without a key? <laughs> I don't need a key. Haramaya muku, give Nanny a kiss. Mm. Nanny Nucky enveloped Freeman in her warm embrace. He couldn't understand what she was whispering after she kissed him, but he knew it was a karakia and he felt safe. She sprinkled some water over him and gave him her kitty. Enoho, stay in the sitting room and look after my kitty. I'm going to sort that fellow out. Nanny Nucky made her way calmly down the hallway, sprinkling wai and uttering karakia as she went. Her casual collective demeanour was a complete contrast to the utter panic she encountered at the other end of the passage. Over this she heard the clock. It was now midnight. Hey, yeah, still got that clock. Bloody hoi hoi thing it is. Tick, tock, tick, What's tock. going on? Auntie, Auntie, help! Hepayana, look at to. Mubaiba. I thought you were coming tomorrow, but I'm bloody glad you're here now. I was coming tomorrow, but my karere came to see me at the birthday and said I'd better come over tonight. You have an unwelcome visitor that needs to get on his way. It was known amongst the whānau that Nanny Nucky had a karere, a messenger in the form of a pirairaka, who would turn up at all sorts of hui, no matter where Nanny Nucky was, to let her know she was needed. Auntie, the door won't open. I know. Look up to you, wait. Mrs. Gloin stepped aside and Nanny Nucky walked up to the door. Her face was resolute, her eyes focused. She bellowed out her command. And just like that, the door opened. Marianne came running out while Justine was sitting up in the bed, her feet pointing out the bedroom door. She was crying and pointing to the end of her bed. Nanny Nucky growled who, or whatever, was standing at the foot of Justine's bed. Did I hear it? Did she say little one? Mrs. Gloin felt a draught and could have sworn she felt someone pass by her out into the hallway and down the passage. Mrs. Gloin and Nanny Nucky went to Justine, who had calmed down a bit. When Mrs. Gloin went to embrace her daughter, she winced, as her daughter's head was swarming with kutu. Auntie, 
auntie. She didn't have those before. Ai, e tohu ano era. No good. I'll fix her up. Lenny Naki continued with her karakia. Then after sprinkling some water on Justine and Mrs. Glenn, she laid her hands upon Justine's head. Justine stopped crying almost immediately. When she removed her hands, the infestation of head lice had disappeared completely. Right, now this bugger is in the whare and does not want to go. Engari, me haere ia, you stay here. Nani Naki got up, leaving Justine and her mother in the bedroom. Mrs. Groin could hear her auntie Naki walking around the whare, saying karake every now and again and growling at the spiritual presence that had caused all the trouble. By now, Freeman and Marion had come into the room on the bed with their mother and their little sister. All four of them squashed into the bed, huddled together in each other's embrace while they listened to Nanny Naki doing her thing through the house. Mrs. Groin sensed the calm had come over the whare now, and the cold feeling had gone. She heard Nanny Naki making her way down the hallway, humming a motete of some sort. Aya, kua pautaku hau. Time for a moi. Me kui tahi e wai. Go to sleep and we'll call it in the morning. Nanny Naki lay down on Marianne's bed and fell asleep instantly. Mrs. Gloin held her children and drifted off to sleep too. It is morning. The children are still asleep, but Mrs. Gloin and Nanny Naki were up having a cuppa. Who was it? It was your neighbour, Henry. Yvonne did not make any effort to hide her astonishment. I don't know why you're surprised. He petted that girl, loved her a little bit too much. Then, come up there. And I uh, don't want to go too attached to her. I can't believe it. Yes, you can. You bought that blanket in the fudder that you put on him when he died. How did you know? You weren't here. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I know. Anyway, I've done what I need to do. Now you have a job. No good now, because you'll be thinking about it. Bad way to wear in your whakaro. Noreira, tahuna. And he jumped into one of your pupu hanging on the wall. Burn that too. Mrs. Groin looked at her auntie incredulously. But, but why? Attachment, that's why. And those peacock feathers you got, he kinoera. No good peacock feathers, burn those too. Oh, but auntie, I love them. Yes, you do. But do you love them as much as your daughter? No. Noreira tahuna. Koina, kua You do what you need to do. And Kuapai, he won't come back. Mrs. Groin heard something chirping. Nanny Naki looked over her niece's shoulder to the window and stood up. Mrs. Groin turned to see a pirairaka sitting outside the window. Kapai, my ride be here soon. Mrs. Groin hugged her auntie tightly. She was so relieved and thankful. Thank you, auntie. Ka nui te aroha. E pai ana e wai, e pai ana. Hoyano. Make sure you do what I told you, Nick. Oh, and get rid of that clock in the hallway too. The clock? What's wrong with the clock? Hoi hoi, bloody thing. That's what's wrong. Tick tock, tick tock. 
Bloody Walker. I'm going to stop talking to my neighbours now. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> bang, bang. Yeah, that kōrero is a kōrero that I grew up with. Mm. My mother, who's Mrs. Groin and Yvonne. Māori ko te I heard this quite a lot and I used to ask for her to tell me. Oh, yes, the yep. The kōrero. Is it that I would remember things mm. that I had forgotten? Yeah. Or... Did she add things to the story Each time. or the retelling that she had left out? Mm. What is interesting to me now in my yau no pakekene, I'm now my adult, and sharing in the corridor with my sisters in the story, so mm-hmm. these are my two older sisters, and then my tuakana, the eldest. While they're in there, they never actually talked about it. Mum didn't talk to them about it. Yeah, yeah. So they're in the story, but they don't actually know... A lot of the kōrero that I shared in Yeah, there. yeah. And I'll be honest, some, I did take a bit of artistic licence because taku mōhio, this happened over two nights. Okay, yeah. Um, engari, for the sake of the production, I put that into one one night, mm. but I wanted everybody to sort of get an idea of the person because I never met Nenenaki. Oh, okay, yes. I remember going to Hitangi mm. as a very young boy it's only recently that I've realised the bus that I was on as a young boy stopping at Taupiri at some godly hour in the morning and, and not knowing we're at Taupiri. Yes, yes. And the rain. And I've sort of cross-referenced it with other stories of us travelling up to her tangihanga that I was on the bus to her tangihanga. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. So I would have met her, but I don't remember her. Mm-hmm. So there's some things in there that are from another, uh, one of the things, the karere. Aye. Where I talk about the Pirai Raka, aye, aye, aye. that was her karere. That's from another kōrero that yeah. I've included mm. in there. Again, from within our whānau of this Pirai Raka turning up, might make it into this other kōrero. Yeah, that would be great. It's so yeah. interesting. Um, what I liked is that it brought about memories of those type of people mm. that were around. I think that there's some still around, but they're so in touch. Yeah. And you know, no te ao kōhatu, e hikoiana i ngā taherua. Yeah, you know the the karere you're saying, mm. and we talked about tohu in one of our other uh, episodes, but also um, the themes in there of um, fakapono mm-hmm. and what you have at your own disposal or your own abilities to clear things, such as you know some wairua in your house, mm. some poke, and to be mindful of when there's a mate close to you in your family. Yes, well, your your fare. Yeah, yeah, because I said he tried on a pew pew in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, he mum had used one of their blankets, her blankets. Yes, yes, their blankets. To yeah, put yeah. over him when he passed away. Aye, aye. And that happened when they were playing. So my sister went to make believe shoot him mm. and he went down, but he actually died. Yeah, yeah. And then mum went to cover up the two papaku with this praikete. And then afterwards when he was when the two papaku was taken not thinking she took the blanket back into the whare. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and, and all the chaos. And all the chaos, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus he had petted my sister. Yes. Yeah, from what I've been told, he was a, he was a nice man. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that to the waiter of Henry. Yes. That I don't mean for him to come across as a bad person, mm. and I tried to illustrate that in the start. Yeah, yeah. But that waiter had an attachment. Aye, aye. That was keeping it from moving on. Aye, tika. Yeah. To leave him of those earthbound ties. Yeah, yeah. I've had a 
wānanga with myself because people ask, well, why do you have to burn these things? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I understand the blanket. Yeah. And that was actually my interpretation of why yes. mum had to burn some of her things. Yep. And, and I, I need to get over that. With peacock feathers. Yeah, peacock feathers. Don't like peacock feathers. Don't like peacock They're beautiful. Yes, yep. You know? But because of that story, hearing of, as a young boy. Nah, and my, he, and he what, whaka tohu mate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. E kino. Tohu kino. E yeah, aiki, yeah. E aiki taku kui aki anaki. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kare pai, e, e pōwhiri wairua kino te ra. Ai, ai, ai. Te hu maiko o te pikake. But that is something within us about peacock feathers. Yeah, yeah. And I remember this one time, um, Nahuya was going to buy these earrings and they were made out of peacock feathers. And I said, Kau. <laughs> yeah, Kaua. But interestingly, there's some other, um, and it's not even a bird, it's not native, it's not endemic. Yeah, yeah. Kia tatou. Yeah, so it's become a part of my belief system. Yes, yes, as things do with, um, with other fans. Is that a superstition? Yeah, yeah just like tinga. certain puti puti we don't have around. Ana. Lily. Yeah, lilies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because traditionally lilies were given at tangihanga. Aye. So you wouldn't tempt fate putting them in the in the house of living. Even uh, the setting, I think the narration at the setting just takes someone back to those summers and, and old houses. That's all I could hear. Kia ora. And those grandfather clocks. Man, why are, why are old people always hit them in the always Next to the toilet too. That's how well I could see it. Exactly. You don't hear that sound anymore. Nah, no, no way you don't. See, so that was actually a bit of me coming out in there because Nan had a clock like that. Yep, yep. I'm talking about my grandmother mm. as a niece to Nanny Nucky. Mm-hmm. So Nanny Nucky is my great-grandfather's sister. And um, for me... Uh, the retelling of the stories about Nanny Nucky. This was a big one for me because they talked about within our family and the generation that knew her, mm. they've all nearly gone. So when I go out and people hear that she's my queer, mm. like uh, for instance, Che, Aye. he shared with me a kōrero about her that she went down to Ngāti Rangi to do some work down there. Oh, wow. That she was called for. Mm. E pera tana mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also to, she was a healer, but she was a tohunga. Mm, she e was respected as a tohunga. Ai, ai, ai. I roto i tērā ao. Yeah, te mahi a ngā kōrero i roto i nei. Yeah. Me te mana o te wahine. Te mana o te wahine. Yeah, yeah. I hihi a rāhau ki a rangona te rāhua tanga i roto i tēnei kōrero. Mm. And instead of changing names, you know, I asked my sisters and my brother if they were comfortable yeah. with their own names being used. So tēnā koutou. Yeah, tēnā koutou. Loving my brother and my sisters because mm. I'm sharing from our whānau and yeah. wanted it to be real, genuine, yeah. authentic with a little bit of artistic licence in there. Kamatu ka noho tēnei hei manu tūnga. Ana. Te whānau. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tika, he taonga tēnei. He taonga, aye. He taonga tēnei. Mm. It inspired me to collect, well, not collect, but write down the other stories yeah. and kōrero I've heard about Nani Naki popping yeah. into situations and things like that. Um, you know, there's one about her going up north. And, yeah, and, and um, just in kōrero. Yeah. yeah. So, kia ora Nani Naki. Mm. And I, when I was writing this, <laughs> when I was finishing it off, it was about, I got up at about four in the morning. And I've got a beautiful photograph of her. I say as I was writing it, and I thought to myself, "Well, if Kareie Fakai, she will let me know." Katohua. Yeah, and I had a karakia too. Mm. But it's not just about putting the story down for people to listen to on Taringa, but koto mai fakarongoana 
there could be something in here for you. Yes, tika. Uh, it could be a realization of, of something that's happened. Mm. As it usually happens, eh? And re- there's a realization. Is it, um, yeah, the hindsight Anna. in certain things, certain aspects. Because you know you can't think that way. Well, you don't usually get time to think that way. Yeah. Uh, in those situations, yeah. The going to the water. Yeah. And just questioning with my mum. She was sort of represented the person or those times when we think, should I have a karaki or shouldn't I? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to your gut. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, if so you're already thinking that, you yeah. should probably be having yeah. a karaki. And to sit in regret, it feels worse than doing it. Because what it is, the analytical mind gets in the way sometimes, I think, with the heart. Anna. When the heart's going, do this, and you're like, mm, that's pretty silly. Anna. Or you're worried about what, how, what people might think of you mm. doing something. But, um... Is that where you got the practice of running the tip? Yeah. Because I've seen you do that and I was like, true, because koku whakaro he, he wai ko tāhawa mm. amatia. Ana. Engari he, he kei roto tonu he wai. Ana. Mm-hmm. Pose teachings were different. Yep. Ki aia me haereki waho. Aye. But nana, she'd say haereki te wai. If it's in the bathroom, haereki reira. He wai te wai. Yeah, haereki mm. te wai. Kaua ki te kihini. Kaua ki te kihini, aye, aye. Engari ki te whare horoi. Yeah, kaua ko te heke tua. Yeah, <laughs> kaua hoki ko te heke tua. Yeah. Engari haereki reira. Kia ora. And even some other things in there I didn't quite unpack, but you may have got a sense of the relationship between my mother and my auntie who makes a cameo in there. Yes, yeah. But that's something that was told to my mother. Mm. You know, you're going to walk in the Pākehā world, your youngest yeah, yeah, yeah. walks in the Māori world. Mm. And, you know, she was like a second mother to me mm. and my mentor and Aye. one of my biggest teachers in my life. Mm. Yeah, so things went around. Yeah. And my father's in there too because they had an interesting relationship. Koe hoki tona ingwa. Lindy yeah, Gordon. yeah. Jee, <laughs> with an eye. With an eye. <laughs> yeah, and um, I was told that by having Toto Pākehā, that that was part of why my mother was encouraged to marry a Pākehā. Oh, yeah. It wasn't about marry a Pākehā and you'll have this life. Mm. It was about Te Tahawairua. Oh, neha. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so there's lots of layers in lots there. Lots of layers all. in there, yeah, yeah. Kia ora. You know, he mea nui ki a whakapua ki ngā kōrero tō whānau, eh? Tēnā yeah, koe. Yeah, so, hmm, e mihi ana. And ko tā tātou waiata he whakakapi ake. Nā te iti kahurangi tēnei waiata, te hekinga o maruiwi. Whakarongo mai.
a befitting song. Ah, na. Mm. A mihi, me mihi nā reo waiti mm. uh, o te iti kahurangi, me te kaupapa. Me te kaupapa. Uh, yeah. Ana me te kaititō. I think another big thing is, you know, ki te kōrero te tangata mō rātou, mm. ko wehe atu e pai ana, e, e pai ake, e, e, e pai kia whakahuki a rātou, mm. ki te kia oki oki. Mm. Yeah, yes, I pai tēnā. Ana. Mm. Ai, moi mai rākou tau. Ai. Ai. Engari tika tau, rātou kia rātou, tātou kia tātou. Tātou kia tātou, kia tātou ko ngai taringa. Ai. A, nō reira, tēnā rākou tau e te iwi, a, ka waiho a kei ko nei a, ngā kupu kōrero, hoi anō ko a māua mihi e rere tonu ana i runga i ngā au mihi o te aroha. A, tēnā koutou i o koutou taringa, hei kona mai rā. Hei kona. Whakarongo ki te tangi a te kori mako Korero flowing at the hooker force Kaupapa relevant, kaupapa out of bounds Kaupapa exigent, kaupapa paramount Nā kona whakapiri mai ki te Kaupapa tino whakahira hira Whakarongo pi kari kari mai Hare are mai o taringa Hare hare mai we gotta Gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kani kani move that body Kani kani move that body Taringa he mea tuku nā te wānanga o Aotearoa, a nā te māngai pāho i tautoko. To listen to more episodes, search for us on your podcast app and subscribe. Taringa, whakarongo mai.